It's game day, Tampa Bay. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Left circle, Stamkos. Holds, holds, shoots, scores! Stamkos! Again! The latest Lightning news, interviews, and more. Wow. With your host, Greg Linelli. That's great, folks. That's great right there. On Lightning Power Play. No games are ever a gimme in the National Hockey League. I think especially this year with the Tampa Bay Lightning, we have seen them lose to some teams that are below them in the standings a little too regularly this year. And, of course, last year's playoff first-round loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets would hit home the point that nothing should be taken for granted. But let's face it, folks. If you're going to go on a run and get into a playoff spot, tonight would be a good time to start putting some wins together and that begins with the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators aren't a very good team, but they defeated Tampa Bay earlier in the year. Again, it goes back to the Lightning being inconsistent. And what's been a problem is being inconsistent on home ice, a place where they were awesome last year, and just take a look at the record, and you understand where I'm coming from. But Ottawa has the third-worst record in the Eastern Conference. And while they have played better over the last couple of weeks, when you look at their roster, nothing really scares you. Anthony DeClaire has been very good. He leads their team with 18 goals. He's been a dynamic player for them. But they have three players who are in double-digit goals. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Brady Kachuk, and DeClaire. Vladimir Mestikov hurt the... Lightning, in their last game, these two teams played, scoring a hat-trick. Might have been his debut with the Sens after being traded to the Rangers or from the Rangers. But it's a game that Tampa Bay should win. I don't often go out and say that that's what's going to happen because we know the parity in today's game is such that you can't take that for granted. But I think a lot of people now are waiting for the Tampa Bay Lightning to get their act together. And I keep hearing from the team and the players that they're playing the right way. They just need to close things out. And while I appreciate those comments, and I do think there's a lot of truth to them, actions speak louder than words. And coming up close and not finishing isn't good enough. And I think the Lightning understand that. Now they have to do it. Am I surprised that I'm having this conversation with you 31, 32 games into the regular season? Yeah. You know, if this was a team that didn't experience a lot of winning before in previous years, I wouldn't be as surprised. But you're talking about a team who's been to a Stanley Cup final and to a couple of Eastern Conference finals over the last five, six years. And so I think it's time for them to start getting their act together and put some wins together in the month of December with the games remaining, particularly on home ice, and climb those standings and be a playoff team. They don't have to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. They don't have to be the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. Heck, if they're the number eight seed, then so be it. But I think when you're looking at the Lightning right now, there's a real good opportunity for them to string some wins together coming up here. And if they can do that, I think a lot of people will feel a little bit more comfortable with where the Lightning are in the standings. It is Lightning Power Play Live. Glad you're with us. We're live from the arena Getting you set for Lightning and Sense. Big show planned for you tonight. Coming up in a couple of minutes, we'll talk to the beat reporter 
for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Brian Burns, get his thoughts on the game tonight. Does he feel like this is a game Tampa Bay needs to have? You know, when you play Washington, I think you're hoping you get two points. With Ottawa, I think you're banking on getting two points. And that's a big difference. But let's face it, in a parity-driven league today, beating the teams who are below you in the standings, you need to have an above 500 record and do very well against them. The teams ahead of you in the standings, if you can go 500, great. But really, where you make you make up your ground, beating the teams you're supposed to. We'll talk to Bernsey about that. And I'll ask him, too, is he concerned at all about the play of Andre Vasilevsky this year? At 6 o'clock, we'll talk to Brooks Rowland from the Scrum Sports. We'll get Brooksy's thoughts on the state of the Lightning. And then TSN Ottawa beat reporter Brent Wallace stops by. We'll hear from him via the phone, and we'll get a scouting report on this Sens team. What do you expect tonight, and are the Sens a little bit better than maybe what their record is showing? And will Tampa Bay be able to take advantage of the lack of scoring this Sens team has? So that is all coming up. And, of course, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can, at Greg Linelli. It does look like Tyler Johnson will be in the lineup. And at least for those who saw Nikita Kucherov at the morning skate, looked pretty good. Maybe he'll be a go tonight, but we won't know until we get a little closer. Certainly that would be a big boost to the lineup. Although, quite honestly, even if Kucherov can't go tonight, if the Lightning can't beat the Sens without Kucherov, then maybe there are some bigger problems there with this team. Hopefully that's not the case. Again, the team has been pretty inconsistent all year, and they've been inconsistent on home ice. You've got to figure that's going to change at some point because the talent is such that it would dictate that the Lightning would go on a long winning streak. But we haven't seen it yet, and a great time to start would be right now. Uh, also, too, I think coming up a little later on, uh, we may get into the Taylor Hall trade. Arizona, of course, picking him up, sending a bunch of draft picks and prospects back to New Jersey's way. For New Jersey, that's the way to do it. You know, there were a lot of people, it was interesting, there were a lot of people on Twitter, take Twitter for what it is, that wanted to see maybe the Lightning make a play for Taylor Hall. And while I don't know if I would have given up the farm to get a guy like Taylor Hall, I did say last year that the Lightning should go after Artemi Panarin, and I would have been okay giving up a bunch of draft picks or prospects for a guy like that. I think Panarin is a more dynamic player. However, Taylor Hall has been very good. MVP of the league a couple of years back. And so I'm wondering, for Lightning fans out there, for those of you who wanted Tampa Bay to make a push to get Taylor Hall, I guess my question to you is, what has changed from last year to this year that makes you think they need another dynamic offensive player? I'm not telling you you're wrong. In fact, if the Lightning can get a top six forward, on this roster, I'm all for it. You know how I feel about this team and the window of opportunity to win. I think they need to win uh, as soon as possible. And if that means mortgaging the future just a bit to do it, then I'm okay with it. Tampa Bay is in a win-now mode. Their core is locked up. I think they'll always be a competitive team. And I think they'll always be a Stanley Cup contending team, understanding that Vasilevsky will be elite. If he's not elite, as I told you before, I don't know if this team can win a Stanley Cup. Their team is built through offense and speed, and they've gotten better defensively, but that doesn't mean in any way they can see their goaltending tandem become a little bit of an issue. Vasilevsky needs to be great, 
their backup goaltenders typically have been very good. If any one of those falters just a bit, it does change, I think, at least my outlook for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's why I think it's important for the team to get a W tonight. All right, we will talk to Brian Burns, the beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, when we return. We'll ask Burnsy some of those questions, get his thoughts on the game tonight, taking your tweets as well. At Greg Linelli, it is Lightning Power Play Live right here on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Get a coup drop left circle, cross ice Johnson, right circle. Shoot, score! Oh, what a snipe! The latest news, interviews, and more with your host, Greg Lanelli. He would not be denied! On Lightning Power Play. Folks, it's pretty simple for me. This is a game Tampa Bay must have. You beat teams who are below you in the standings. I think that's what good teams typically do. Maybe you go 500 against teams above you in the standings. Regardless... I think the Lightning need to start to show some consistency in their game to really start moving up the standings. And here to talk about it, our good friend Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, live here on the show. And, you know, Burnsy, I don't think it's being hyperbolic. I don't think it's being an alarmist. We're 31 games into this thing. Tampa Bay still have a playoff spot. Ottawa has the third worst record in the Eastern Conference. I know they have defeated Tampa Bay before, but at some point you want to see Tampa Bay turn this around and it's got to start tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's not a must win, but if you're looking at games, like this is a team, this is a game that you need to win. Yes. You need to come out of this yes. game with the win. You probably need to come out of Thursday's game with the win. That's another team that, uh, like you said, Dallas. you need a team to beat the teams that are where you are in the standings are a little bit lower, the teams that you should be better than. Yes. Uh, and then maybe go 500 against the teams that are above you because they got another tough one in D.C. on Saturday. Uh, they'll have to play host to the Panthers here on Tuesday before you know the Christmas break. So yeah, this is one that you absolutely have to have. You cannot let this one slip away from you. We've seen in the past where they've lost some kind of head scratching games to the Arizonas and the Ottawas. Yeah, uh, and those teams that they were clearly head and shoulders above in the standings. Uh, they can't let this one get away from them. Tonight. Well, and the other thing too is you know, you got to start winning on home ice. Yeah, they, you know, the road is it is what it is. Again, the road if you can go 500, a lot of people will say that's what you do, but do well on your home ice. This team has typically been pretty good under John Cooper on home ice. This year it's been a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, I feel like they've been almost a better team when they're on the road. It feels like they yeah. almost simplify their game a little bit and they're a little bit more committed to what they want to do, whereas maybe when they get at home in front of their home crowd, uh, there may, might be that temptation to maybe put on a little bit of a show and try to be that offensive juggernaut that, that we saw last year. And uh, I like their game when, on their, when they're on the road. Sometimes when they're here at home, maybe they get away from their game, away from their structure a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, that's something that needs to be rectified. They need to, to protect their home ice a little bit better than what we've seen so far. You hear from the players, you hear from the coaches that they're close. They're just not finishing games and that they're playing the right way for the most part. They're just not maybe getting the results and it's coming. Does that message get old, you think, to, to fans at times? And do you feel like, all right, I get it. You guys feel pretty good about the way you're playing, but you need to get points too now. Yeah, they need to get the results. My issue is that you look at, it's been you know a few games. It's been the Washington game. It was the Washington game in D.C. where the third period things got away from them a little bit. Uh, it was the Carolina game here. Uh, where the first period they didn't play too well. It was the Islanders game where there was like a two- to three-minute stretch yeah. where things got away from them. Uh, and we're hearing the same things in the locker room. It was just a, you know, a, a three- to four-minute stretch where 
Uh, we weren't focused. Uh, we weren't paying attention to the details of the game. Uh, and that's all well and good. The, the flip side is you're getting opportunities. There, there were opportunities in that game against yeah. Washington where maybe they weren't playing to their structure. Maybe they were a little bit unfocused. Maybe you had them on the ropes a little bit, and you weren't able to kind of deliver that knockout blow. Right. You weren't able to capitalize on those opportunities where teams, at least it seems like so far through the first part of the season, teams are able to come in here, and when the Lightning slip up a little bit, teams are able to take advantage. The Lightning need to be able to take advantage when other teams make those mistakes, and they're not really doing that so far, and that's, not, that's why they're not getting the results against those upper echelon teams. What do you make of those stretches collectively? I, we could probably point to each individual game as to the reasons why, but... Is there a common theme as to why maybe they are going through some periods during a game where another team explodes for a couple of goals in a, a one-minute span or the Lightning allow the other team to kind of dictate play? For me, and I don't know how you feel about this, and I don't want to lay it on one guy, but I think the goaltending has been hot and cold. And yeah. I think that reflects the team in a lot of ways. You know, Vassy and Ben Bishop the last few years have been able to bail the team out more times than not and maybe overshadow some of the warts that might develop. I don't think that's happening this year. And I'm wondering if you feel the same way or is there something else there that you're seeing that's allowing for this to happen? Yeah, I mean, that's a good thought. It could be a case where, you know, a, a save that maybe Vasilevsky or McElhaney, whoever's in net or happens to be in that that night, uh, maybe that's a save that that goalie was able to make last year. And this year it's not being made for whatever reason. Uh, and when you're playing a team like Washington, when it's a tie game, it's 1-1, you've sustained pressure yes. for, uh, for a lot of time. You come out of the second period, you probably feel like maybe we should be ahead right now. We've certainly done enough to be ahead. Uh, it's still a tie game. And then you come back in the third period and in the first couple shifts, ones in the back of your net that maybe you felt like shouldn't be in the back of your net. Uh, I would think that that would, you know, lend to, to players maybe hanging their heads a little bit. And then that's why you see on the next shift, Washington's able to score 45 seconds later uh, and effectively put that game away. I know the Lightning had a little bit of a comeback when Ruda was able to, uh, to put that one in. And then, again, Washington able to come right back in the next minute or so and, uh, and reestablish that two-goal lead. So for me, maybe it's a combination of, let the Lightning not being able to take advantage of the good scoring opportunities that they've been able to get and not being able to, to get a lead or extend that lead. And then on the flip side, the goaltending maybe not making that one extra save that they were able to make last year. Uh, and collectively, that kind of drops the confidence of the entire team. I said yesterday on the show, I asked the question, are you concerned with Andre Vasilevsky's play this year? Um, I'll ask you that question. And the follow-up would be, do you think this team can win a Stanley Cup if he's not great? I, I said no. Yeah, I don't think. I, I think Because the way they're built. I, I don't think, think they're built to be a shutdown defensive team. I think they're built to be a decent defensive team that has a great goaltender that can bail them out. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to win a Stanley Cup anyway unless your goalie's playing lights out. But For sure. Uh, this team in particular, yeah, like you said, this this is a team that, that's built more offensive-minded than, than defensively shut down. Uh, and you're expecting to get those big saves from Andre Vasilevsky. And that's what we saw a lot of last year where he was able to mask a lot of those defensive deficiencies where maybe uh, that hasn't come so far this year. It looked like 
He was turning the corner a little bit. It did. In the three previous games it prior did. to the Washington game, he put together three of his best performances. Looked like he was yeah. going to get, you know, a couple of shutouts. Uh, ended up giving up a goal late in a couple of those games. Only gave up four combined goals in those three wins, and it looked like maybe he was starting to trend towards the goalie that we were used to seeing last year. Now maybe the Washington game was an aberration. Maybe we'll see him. It looks like it's going to be him tonight against Ottawa, just based on morning skate. Maybe we'll see him get back to the way he was playing against Boston and, and a couple of those games beforehand. But uh, you hope that he's trending in the right direction because I think once he starts going in that direction, I think this team's going to follow. I agree. And, you know, look, this could be one of those years, Bernsey, where the regular season is just mildly or wildly inconsistent. Maybe the Lightning, you know, don't get a playoff spot until the last week of the year. But maybe something clicks for them in the playoffs, and all of a sudden they go back to being this elite team, and Vassy ends up being tremendous in net. I don't know how this, this regular season is playing out. We can only go off of what we've seen so far. And yeah. so far this year... It's just been a lot of up and downs. Yeah. Well, in last year, you know, he was so lights out for, for so much of the amazing. year. And then, you know, once the playoffs started, it, it, he wasn't as good. He wasn't yeah. as sharp. And I think that was one of the factors of the many factors that led yes. to them getting swept in that first round. So uh, I think if you're a Lightning fan, you would take the flip side where maybe he's a little bit inconsistent during the regular season. You get into the playoffs and then he becomes that shutdown, lights out goalie during the playoffs. And then you hope he can sustain that. And you can go on a run. Yeah. Brian Burns, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live. Did we learn anything more that we didn't know this year with the recent five games in an eight-day stretch with some pretty good teams they faced? Yeah, I mean, you look and they've they've held their own. You know, they were able to beat Boston, uh, had a couple good games against Washington, played really well in stretches. I thought they matched up pretty well with them. Uh, again, a, a couple... You know, lapses in judgment, a couple three to five minute stretches where they weren't at their best ended up burning them. So yeah. uh, I think if anything you can take out of that, this is the team that can that can play with the heavyweights in the uh, in the National Hockey League. Now it's just a matter of can they get results against the heavyweights? And you want to see that more consistently. It looked like maybe they were starting to turn that corner with the Boston win. Took a little bit of a step back in the Washington game, but they'll get another crack at them on Saturday. And I think that'll be an important one to show. Uh, that they can beat that team. They can get a result against the best team in the league. Let's talk about some personnel. It looks like maybe Kucherov has a chance to play tonight. Tyler Johnson does look like he's in. And does Mitchell Stevens get in tonight, or does that depend on Kucherov, you think? Yeah, I think that's uh, – yeah. if Kucherov is in, I think probably Mitchell Stevens is that yeah. odd guy out. And uh, he's done well, you yeah. know. Cooper talked about how good of a skater he was. I think maybe a little bit better of a skater than they thought he was going to be. Uh, certainly they've seen him in, in training camps and development camps and whatnot, but uh, was able to come up, skate well, and really did, did well in the faceoff circle. He was 18 of 26. He's very good. Uh, like 69, 70% in the faceoff circle. Cooper said that they had confidence to put him out on the penalty kill and take some of those big draws. So that was just kind of another you know, tool in, in, his, uh, in his toolbox that, that he can show to the coaches this is you know why I, I deserve a spot on this team this is how I can be valuable to you guys yeah for sure and I think he's he came as advertised you know he's a guy that can skate win face-offs and he's probably slated for a third or fourth line role when and if he does make a permanent place here in Tampa Bay yeah and I thought he showed some some good flashes offensively too I thought yeah. he did some good things and uh, there was nothing glaring for me, any any glaring deficiencies, and I, I liked that that line. Uh, they were out there against Ovechkin at one point, and I was like, "Oof!" I don't. That was like early in the first right. period, and they got put out against that Ovechkin line, and didn't know how that one was going to turn out. But you know, they held their own, and uh, 
I thought they did some good things. I thought they created some offensively and, you know, kind of curious to see if uh, it, it looks like he probably won't be in tonight if Kucherov can go. But I'd like to see those guys get, you know, a few more games together and see what they can produce. If Kucherov can't go, how do you see the line combinations tonight? It would appear that Stamkos would stay with Sorelli and Kalorn. That line's been pretty good yeah. for the most part since being put together. Yeah, I don't think they want to break that line up. You it looks think. like that uh yeah, it looks like Tyler Johnson, assuming that he's gonna play yeah. and you know, all signs point that he will, uh, would probably just take over for Kucherov on that right wing spot on the top line. Uh then your Sorelli line would stay the same, yeah. your Paquette line would stay the same, and your your the Mitchell Stevens, the fourth, the kid line would be able to, to stay the same to stay as the well. Same thing. Uh, and if Kucherov goes, and you'll probably see maybe Johnny go down to the fourth line and center that line, and then Mitchell Stevens will have to take the healthy scratch. You know, Johnson's an interesting guy because I think you know you can point to anybody on that roster and say they're they're in some ways a key to the Lightning having success. But Johnson is, I think, an interesting guy because he's not a star player, but he can be really good. He can really give you that 25 to 30 goal scoring if the, the season plays out right for him. And if he can get going, he really does maybe take some pressure off of the team, maybe having to go out and make a really big splash to bring in the top six forward, assuming that's something they want to do. Yeah, it's kind of been interesting to see how these forwards have gone this year because at different times you've had guys get hot. Like at the beginning of the year, Andre Pilat was really hot. Yeah. Tyler Johnson was really hot yeah. until he got hurt. Uh, Yanni Gord was kind of hot there. And now those guys have cooled off a little bit. Now you're seeing the, the Alex Kalorns. He's really stepped up here of late. He's one of the top scorers in November in the NHL. Sorelli. Anthony Sorelli has been, you know, over the last month, month and a half, has really stepped up his game. And then you're seeing the, the superstars, the guys that you expect to be up there, the Stamkoses and the Kucherovs and the points. Those guys have gotten it going too. So uh, it's been a case where, you know, if one guy kind of tails off a little bit, like we haven't seen, much offensively from Andre Pilat of late, but you're seeing an yeah. Alex Kalorn step up and kind of uh, to take over for, for what you're losing there with him not being able to produce. Is it fair to say, because you look at their numbers and they're still really good, Kucherov's a point per game, 34 points through 30. Braden point, 23 points through 28. has got 12 goals. But is it fair to say they haven't been dominating for long stretches this year and that at some point we think, like Vasilevsky, that's going to happen? Yeah, I think they just set the bar so high last they year did. that yeah. you look at what they're doing this year, and if last year didn't happen, you're probably looking at them and, and thinking, wow, these guys are having great years right, right now. But now we think they're a little bit down because Kucherov only has 34 points in 30 games. But do you think on the eye test, do you think they've been no. as dominant? And to your point, you're right, maybe the bar is so high. Yeah. But it, it feels like they've been good to really good, but they haven't been as great, and I feel like in some ways that's still a good thing for the Lightning because I, I think that bar is still there for them to attain. And we've seen them that Toronto game when when Braden Point came back for his first game. Uh, what that line looked like was phenomenal, right? Yeah, you just you were thinking, wow, okay, if, if this can continue, that it's going to be exactly like last year as right. far as what these guys are able to produce offensively, and you know for whatever reason that hasn't been able to sustain itself. So. Yeah, it is a little bit of you wonder, you know, why they're not quite producing as much. But like you said, you expect them at some point. And this was around the time last year when Kucherov got really hot. And he started yeah. to get hot this year. Yeah. Uh, the injury notwithstanding, you know, he's starting to put up a point every other game. He was starting to put up multiple points every other game or so. Uh, so you, you feel like that those guys have another level to, to reach in their game. Brian Burns, B reporter for the Tampa Bay Lightning, joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live.
Um, anything you're seeing from the defense pairings that you like, that you don't like? Sergachev and Shattenkirk certainly have been a, a pair that they like right now. And I think that one's really interesting because that's one of those where the good offense they provide maybe can give you some good defense because the puck comes out so quickly from their own zone. The problem is once they're in their own zone, they've got to be physical and they've got to play the puck a certain way. But how do you like the defense pairing so far and how this has all played out? Yeah, I like them. I, you know, I, you see, I think Mikhail, I think Sergachev is starting to take that next step. Yeah. He's starting to get a little bit more ice time. He's now fourth on the team for for time on ice, and he's starting to get you know, a little bit more in the way of assignments, yeah. a little bit more responsibility. So I think that they like you know how he's progressing. I like the fit with him and Shattenkirk. I feel like that's a, I mean, for a third pair, I feel like that's a really good third pair. Is that a playoff pair, or is that a regular season pair? I don't know. I think it depends on, you know, who's going to be with Hedman. I don't know that you necessarily, you know, want to go into the playoffs with, with Jan Ruda as your your top pair right-hand defenseman. Yeah. Uh, so I think they've got to figure that out. And I think a lot of that is going to be uh, – I think a lot of what happens there is going to have a trickle-down effect on the rest of the pairs. Maybe it's a case where they say, you know, we like Shattenkirk with Hedman and, and you see him go back up and then you maybe pair – Sergachev with Braden Coburn again because those two have a lot of chemistry. So I think uh, a lot of that will depend on what you get out of Jan Ruda yeah. or just that sixth spot in general. You know, is it going to be Coburn? Is it going to be right. Ruda? Is it going to be Luke Shen? And who that guy pairs best with and what you're going to get out of that sixth guy. Or somebody outside the organization if yeah, they it, chose it to It could be a around. case where, you know, you're not really comfortable with either one of the three and you, you feel like you need to bring in reinforcements. Burns, you great stuff. Absolutely. Brian Burns, Thanks beat reporter me. for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Read his stuff on the Lightning website. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Brooks Rowland from the Scrum Sports up next. Also, Brent Wallace, TSN reporter for Ottawa. Join us via the phone line on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Shot taken, Morgan! What a save by Vasilevsky! No rebound! The latest news, interviews, and more. No. With your host, Greg Lanelli. Really? On Lightning Power Play. You know, there aren't must-win games, at least if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, 31, 32 games into a season. But I do think this is a game Tampa Bay needs to win for a lot of different reasons. They're coming off a pretty brutal stretch where they played five teams in eight days, and those teams were really good teams. And I think the Lightning did well in certain areas and came up short in others. But let's face it, folks, the Ottawa Senators have the third-worst record in the Eastern Conference. If you're going to make a climb... To get back in the playoff picture, you need to beat teams like Ottawa, who are below you in the standings. And Tampa Bay has that opportunity tonight to pick up two points and go on a run, a winning streak that we really haven't seen so far this year. We're going to talk about this for the next half hour here on Lightning Power Play Live and News Radio WFLA. Glad you're with us. I am your host, Greg Linelli, at Greg Linelli on Twitter. That's where you can catch me and hit me up and ask me some questions. Joining me right now in the radio booth, home radio booth, our good friend from the Scrum Sports, that would be Brooks Roland with us. And uh, Brooks, it's good to be with you, bud. And I don't think it's a must-win game, but it's a game I think Tampa Bay should earn two points. And if they don't, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed, including the players and coaches, although they won't come out and say it. We know Ottawa defeated Tampa Bay earlier this year, but... If Tampa Bay truly has turned the corner, which we keep hearing that they're close to doing, I think beating teams below you in the standings is a good way to begin that process. 
And not to mention, you get the fact that they're in such a long stretch of so many home games this month. And I've said at the beginning of the month that this could be a month that, I'm not going to go as far as to say makes or breaks this team season, but it could be a launching pad or it could be a stumbling block. Yeah. And so far, it's, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen some positives. We've seen them, you know, out, out you know, outplay teams like Boston. You know, I'll play Washington for stretches on in Saturday's game. Yeah. But we've also seen stretches where, you know, we've watched Andre Vasilevsky kind of go back and forth. A couple games he'll look great, and then a couple of games he'll give up a couple of goals where you say, well, he'd love to have that one back. Sure. And then we've also seen the uh, some of the, the turnovers in their own zone, some of the defensive lapses almost become more magnified. I feel like so far in December – they play, they've played much better. A lot of the underlying numbers show they've played some really, really good hockey in terms of scoring chances, possession, high danger chances, all of that since the calendar flipped over to December. It's not like November where they were below average in all those categories over the last six games of the month of, the month of November, but it's just, it, it's almost, we've gotten to the point now where it's like, which Andre Vasilevsky is going to show up? Is it going to be the goalie that won the Vezina last year, the goalie that was a Vezina finalist two years ago? Or are we going to get the, the Andre Vasilevsky that we've seen this year who lets in a, a iffy goal once, once a game and sometimes twice? And when, when you combine that with some of those defensive issues that we've seen, the occasional turnovers, the occasional you know, misreads and you know, not clogging up uh, – you know, whether it be not clogging up passing lanes, allowing teams easy entry over the blue line. You know, when you combine all of that, and if your goaltender is not up to snuff, that adds up over time. Well, I think for me, that might be the biggest surprise this year is that, you know, Vassy has been up and down, and I think the team has reflected his play. As I said before on the show yesterday, Brooksy, I don't think this team can win a Stanley Cup without Vassy being great. I think the way this team is built... They need their goaltender to be really, really good. Most playoff teams do. I understand that. But I think in particular Tampa Bay, because of the way they're built, they're more of a up-and-down team, and they're going to give up a few chances here and there. It's surprising because we just haven't seen Andre Vasilevsky be this inconsistent since he's been a, a Tampa Bay Lightning. And I'm wondering, do you think the playoffs, there's a little bit of a hangover still with him? Because that series, he was good, not great. Um, or do you think the way the team is playing is finally catching up to Vassy that maybe no goalie can be great for extended periods of time with how Tampa Bay wants to play? I think there's a there's a little bit of a little bit of both in there. The whole you know issue going back to last year's first round sweep, I feel like that's kind of hung over everybody. I yeah. mean, it's it's kind of hung over the, this franchise from almost from the start of the season, sure. and it's you know them trying to. I mean, you have the combination of them, you know, trying to clean up the way they play, be a little more, you know, a little bit safer with the puck, not, you know, not as, I wouldn't say not as run and gun, but, you know, trying to manage it better. And in some games they've been that way, and in other times we've seen them revert back to some bad habits. But we've, I, I think that that slight hangover has still been in effect. And I've even felt that, you know, from the start of the season that we're going to see this team fall back just a little bit. I mean, I, I didn't think that they would, you know, fall below 100 points, but there was no way on earth they were getting 128 again. I, yes. I, I still think that last season's last season's 62 win, you know, campaign was an outlier. I also think the, the results of that first round series were an outlier as well. 
And I, I've felt that this is a team that's going to kind of be, you know, scratching and clawing their way to get into a playoff spot. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what playoff spot you end up with. It doesn't matter if it's a wild card spot, if you're top three in the Atlantic, just get in. That's right. all that matters when it comes to the playoff race. But at some point, this team has got to start putting wins together. They've got to start getting points together. You know, it, you, you can't just continue to win two, lose two, win one, lose one. Eventually, you're just going to be treading water the entire season, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're approaching March, and you might be a couple of points out of a playoff spot, and you've, you're dealing with five or six other teams that, well, guess what? They're trying to get in, too. Yeah, and you look at the numbers offensively. We're with Brooks Rowland from the Scrum Sports. I mean, for the most part, kind of on par with what they did last year. I mean, you know, in the top five and goals scored, and, you know, you look at some of the players on this team. You know, Kucherov's a point per game. Braden points close to it. Stamco certainly there. And you have guys like Alex Kalorns on pace for, I think, a career year. Palat's had a nice bounce back year. So what I'm saying is, Brooksy, you've got some guys who are basically in line with their averages offensively. But I, I think there has been a little bit of a dip at the goaltender position. And I do think this year, when the team does have some breakdowns, it is costing them more so than we've seen the last couple. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've seen you know, the breakdowns cost them. And... I mentioned, you know, last season being an outlier in terms of the overall standings point total. But it's also it was also a bit of an outlier offensively because, I mean, yeah, the, the team is top five offensively this year, but we're not seeing them finish as many chances this season as they did a year ago. Now, granted, I, I think that we, you know, if you follow this team closely, you probably expected a bit of a step back after what they did last season. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, that finishing talent is you know not not quite you know putting as many goals on the scoreboard to offset any sort of off night that the goaltending is having ask the, the San Jose Sharks how how that's going for them when your goaltending isn't uh, you know isn't making the save when you need it and the offense dries up sure. Lightning's offense hasn't dried up in this case but you know they they've got to get they've got to get more saves when they you know when needed because we, we've seen Vasilevsky time and time again, and I think we may have been a bit spoiled by, by him coming up with clutch saves, big highlight reel saves, yeah. time and time again, isn't quite happening as consistently. I think he's been, at times he's been good, at other times he's been great this season, and then there's other times where he's looked really, really, really ordinary, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, Brooks Rowland joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live and News Radio WFLA. Brent Wallace, by the way, TSN Ottawa reporter, will be coming up via the phone line in our next segment. Um, mention Alex Kalorn. He's been having a phenomenal year. And playing with Anthony Sorelli, those two have been tremendous. I'm glad to see they're giving Sorelli and Kalorn a bigger opportunity offensively and specifically playing with a guy like Stamkos. You know, everybody kept saying, well, Sorelli's more of a third-line shutdown center. And I kept saying, this year at least, well, what if there's more to it? What if he can give you more offense? And it seems like, along with Kalorn, that they are getting a little bit more offense from those two, and it's fun to watch. And it's nice to see Stamkos have a you know a you know, a pair of consistent line mates that can get him the puck. Yes, that to me that is the most important thing. And we mentioned this on our show, Off the Rails with the Scrum Sports, which you can also hear on, on the weekends. Power Play on the weekends. Um, you know, we, we mentioned that in last weekend's show how you know we've seen Stamkos have a multitude of line mates over the course of his season. I mean, really the last 
true, I guess you could call, setup guy was really Marty St. Louis. I mean, obviously you have Nikita Kucherov on his line as yeah. well. And stretches. But, the, but those are two guys that are scorers yeah. who can also set each other up. But I've always felt Stamkos was really at his best when he's had somebody setting him up because, you know, so, somebody that can get into the dirty areas, feed him the puck with a, with a nice pass because he's at his best when he can kind of drift into the soft areas in the offensive zone get himself open and unleash that shot. That's when he's at his best. And it's really encouraging, I think, to see Killorn and Sorelli, who've had great chemistry over the last year and a half or so, or close to a year and a half. You know, it, it's good to see them, you know, put together. And I think that their their skill sets really help kind of bounce off Stamkos' as well. Yeah. And seeing Sorelli get more power play time and seeing Killorn be, I would say, more consistent is also very encouraging because as we've seen over the years, when he's on, he's very on, but he's also probably the streakiest player on this team. When he has off stretches, you don't hear from him for a while, but that hasn't been the case this year. No. He's been... What do you make of that? I, I think it's, it's... It could be an outlier. It could be a career year. We might not ever see this again from Alex Kalorn after this season, <laughs> but it's definitely a, a very positive sign when you, can, when you see a guy that's when it comes to offensive production, be as streaky as he's been, to see him consistently creating chances, you know, pushing the, you know, pushing the puck up the ice, you know, helping, you know, jumping into breakouts, whether it be creating all these opportunities, whether it be for himself, for Sorelli, for whoever's been on their wing, whether it be Matthew Joseph or whomever else, you know, you see him involved in the play. That's been the biggest thing. I think when you see Alex Kalorn getting involved, that's when I think he's at his most dangerous. Not that he hasn't been involved, but when he's been in, in one of his you know streaky modes where he's been off, you don't necessarily hear his name called during games that much, and that hasn't been the case this year. It yeah. seems like every game you see him in the middle of the action, you know, creating at least or being involved in a high danger chance or two, and you know maybe we'll finally see him score 20 goals this year. Got less than 30 seconds. What do you see tonight happening? Um, I, I see a, I see a fast start, you know, maybe build off the positive aspects of Saturday's game and just limit the turnovers, you know, and, and get, get something going, get an early goal, get yeah. an early goal, go up early and just build off it from there. And get those two points. Exactly. Brooksy, great job. Thank you. All right. Brooks Rowland from the Scrum Sports. Check out his work there. Also too, those guys do a podcast at Trevor Grout as well on the weekends on Lightning Power Play and make sure you support their work there as well. All right, coming up next, Brent Wallace from the Ottawa Sens, TSN. We'll get his thoughts on this Senators team. Are they a team that's ascending, even though they are third from the bottom in the Eastern Conference? And what about some of these younger players, particularly Anthony DeClaire, who's been absolutely fantastic. He's got 18 goals on the year. He's been dynamic this season. Is it a guy who is just growing into his position as an elite player, or is it something else that's clicking for DeClaire? We'll talk to Brent about that coming up in our next segment. It is Lightning Power Play Live right here on Lightning Power Play News Radio, WFLA. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Crosby, open in front, backhand shot. What a the latest news, interviews, and more. Finally! With your host, Greg Lanelli. Oh, the relief on his face! On Lightning Power Play. 
All right, Lightning Power Play Live continues here on a Tuesday. We're getting you set for Lightning and Sends on Lightning Power Play and News Radio WFLA. The Lightning uh, need to get on a winning streak, no doubt about that. And hopefully, for their sake, they get it going against the Sens, a team who has already defeated them once this year. And here to talk about it from the Ottawa perspective, we had him on the show before. Always enjoy his analysis. TSN Ottawa reporter Brent Wallace is on via the phone line. And Brent, first off, bud, great to be with you. And Boy, the Sens, they got thumped pretty good last night by the Panthers, 6-1. to one. That game notwithstanding, though, it looks like over the last couple of weeks, the team has been playing some pretty good hockey. Yeah, for the most part, they have, they're going to have those games, I think, throughout this year, and we've already seen a few of them here and there. Uh, last night's not the only one, obviously. And so they, when they want to work, uh, they can be okay and they can be in the fight. But when they don't want to play, then you seem to get them, you'll see them get exposed on a, on a regular basis. And they were also without two of their top four D going into last night's game. And you could see that uh, Florida was able to exploit them on a, a week back end, if you will, Eric Brandstrom being called up. He hasn't been very good defensively for this team. He is touted as a defenseman of the future, but right now he's struggling. And Cody Golubov, who is a seventh defenseman for the better part of this year, uh, played 22 minutes. So that shows you where they're at defensively right now. Brent, we know how things have been for the Sens on and off the ice over the last couple of years. You and I have discussed this before on my show. Are they starting to turn things around, and can you finally see the plan being properly executed by management? Oh, great question. And I won't say yes until I finally start to see it. I think there's still a lot of question marks that goes into this organization from the top down. And you see there's all kinds of stuff off ice that continues to be with this team, whether it's the new arena building spot downtown that got nixed and whether or not it's got to do with lawsuits against Eugene Melnick and back and forth. There's all kinds of stuff at the top that are question marks, but they do seem to have pieces that could potentially turn out to be NHL players. But this organization has a history of overselling all their young guys. And we've seen it time and time again, where, Oh yes, this is the next guy that's going to be great. And he flounders out and isn't the guy who's able to jump to the NHL level. And so I will hold off, crowning them until I start to see some results right now. I don't see the results that they need. Brent Wallace, who's a TSN Ottawa reporter, joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live and News Radio WFLA. Brent, one guy who's been very good this year has been Anthony DeClaire. He's only 24, but it feels like he's been in the league for 10 years. Why have things clicked for him this year? Is it opportunity? Is it a player finally coming into his own? Or is it something else? All of the above, I think, for the most part. I Early on in his career, he had great success as a rookie, scored 20 goals, right? And he, everything started to look good in Arizona. And then things just kind of floundered out, and he, got, and he got traded. And so he was never able to find where he fit in after the trade. And there are some, obviously, there are warts to his game like there are with everybody else. And, and he took a lot of lumps for his defensive game and that he didn't want to play a defensive style of game, uh, which ultimately saw him move from the Rangers to Columbus and obviously remember – now what John Tortorella had to say to him just prior to being traded to Ottawa. But that being said, he's gotten, I think he's up four more minutes per game a night and he's playing penalty kill, which he's never done before. He's seeing a lot more opportunity. If you see opportunity, you're bound to make something happen. And he's taken what he's been given and made the most out of it. He, the big thing is when you've got people that believe in you and trust you and put you out, even if you make a mistake right after, then they will, he will start to reward you, right? Like most people, they, they will do what's right. And so, He's found a way in Ottawa to get back into this league where it certainly looked like it may have been his last chance. 
Brent, Jean-Gabriel Pajot has always been a really solid player in the league, but so far he's got 16 goals through 34 games. Is this a typical example of an athlete performing well in a contract year? And is this the type of contract you have to be careful with, especially for a team like the Sens, who really have to be fiscally responsible? Yeah, great question. And, and he's almost like Anthony Duclair, and he's getting opportunities, right? He's a typical... I think on a good hockey team, a third-line center. But right now, he's Ottawa's number one center. And he's, again, making the most of it. Take nothing away from that. But if he's on a good team, he doesn't get all these opportunities. He doesn't see power play time. He doesn't see 20 minutes a night. And so, good for him to make the most of it. And obviously, yes, it's a contract year. How Ottawa is going to proceed with that is interesting. They're weak down the middle right now with, you know, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Chris Tierney, Artem Anisimov, who's, uh, I, I'm not sure where he fits in with the Ottawa Senators. And Logan Brown right now is on the fourth line is there, projecting him to be some first-line center, but we have yet to see him develop into that type of player. And so Jean-Gabriel Pajot is sitting at the top. He's earning all these minutes, but do you want to pay him? If he's a 30-goal guy in this league at the end of the year, that's like $6 million or $5 million. Do you want to pay him that kind of money? I'm not sure if you're Ottawa, you do, but you also need someone to play down the middle. And so... It's an interesting conundrum they have to deal with when it comes to Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Well, how many of these guys who are somewhat experienced in the league, they have veteran experience, are going to be trade bait at the deadline? Or do you look at this, Brent, and say at some point, Ottawa's going to have to have a few veterans on this team, and you end up keeping them? Well, that again, that's where they're at with like Tyler Ennis and Ron Hainsey. All, there's a few other guys here, like Mark Borowiecki is another one, even Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Like, I, it'll be interesting to come February what happens at the deadline, what they decide to ultimately do, because they still need, as you say, guys going into next year. They need to find, A, to spend to the cap floor, because right now they struggle to get to that, which is why they traded and brought in Ryan Callahan's contract. There's a few of those issues of money-wise they've got to find to pay players, and so they need some veterans. They need veterans in the room that are obviously going to leave and they need to have some guys there that can play the game until these new guys start to develop. Is it fair to say when you take a look at this team that Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat are obviously the two high-end players skill-wise, and how would you assess how their season so far is going? Uh, almost, I won't say polar opposites, but Thomas Shabbat signs the new monster deal in the offseason. He gets paid. He is the heir apparent to this blue line. He is no question the number one defenseman on this team. I don't think he has shouldered that new deal the way he'd like to. I think he has struggled a lot of nights. I also don't think he has really anybody to play with on his wing, on his defensive pair. So he's trying to do it all, and I think it's it's a struggle for him right now. Early on in the year, he was leading the league in minutes, and they knew they couldn't sustain that. They've cut it back, but he is still struggling to find his game. I mean – He's a high-end player, there's no question, but for him to find where he best fits at his style, I think he struggled more or less on the power play, which is atrocious for Ottawa right now. So he's an interesting one where I think he has struggled based on the new contract and trying to live up to that. Brady Kachuk continues to develop into what is arguably going to be you know, Ottawa's best forward for the foreseeable future. He's a pain in the ass to play against. He gets under your skin, he puts up points, and he's he will lead that team into battle on a nightly basis when they sometimes need an extra push. He'll find a way to generate some spark, if you will. So he's fun to watch. I will give him that. Uh, and I'm surprised. I didn't think he would be this effective right out of uh, being drafted in the NHL, but he's certainly been a welcome addition to that Ottawa 
offense. Brent, who's their answer in Nets long term? It looks like Tampa Bay may see Marcus Hogberg tonight. He hasn't won an NHL game in six career starts. I mean, is this a guy that has a future, and where do they go from here? That's what it appears to be. I, I uh, Craig Anderson's another UFA at the end of the year. I don't know if he gets dealt before the deadline, um, but I can't imagine that he comes back for Ottawa. And so they do have Anders Nielsen, which they have him for another year. I don't see him, obviously, as the be-all to end-all to Ottawa's goaltending issues, and I think there are certainly a lot of issues. Marcus Holberg, you say, will get the start tonight. I, I think he's the heir apparent, but like you said, he hasn't won in six games, and we haven't really seen perhaps what he can do yet. There's also another guy, Philip Gustafson. They have a bunch of prospects who they're really high on. I just don't know if they make the jump to the next level. And so we wait to see how Ottawa deals with their goaltending, but it it wouldn't surprise me if I if they went out and tried to acquire perhaps a number one goalie. Well, Brent, before we let you go, when you take a look at the Atlantic Division, you've seen a lot of these teams, you know, Ottawa obviously on the outside looking in. Don't know if that's going to change this year. Most likely not. But how do you look at, at the Atlantic Division? Is it is it stronger than you thought, or is it perhaps a little no. weaker than you anticipated? <laughs> it, it, I'm, I'm surprised. Like Now, for people that are a little bit surprised the way Tampa is playing, I will say watching Ottawa go to Sweden and come back, it took a lot out of them. And you can see it kind of with Tampa – just struggling along at right at 500 since that trip, that trip is a struggle, especially when it's in the middle of the, or I shouldn't say in the middle of the season, but it's a regular season game. You see it take a little bit out of you and it's tough to kind of get back up to speed after that trip. So I can see why Tampa is where it's at right now, but I certainly think that they will turn around. This lineup is just too good not to be a top three team in the Atlantic division. Boston's always there. And so I, I don't know what the answer. I, I don't think Montreal is, as good as I think people think they are. I, I, there's too many question marks on that blue line and seems to be carry prices, certainly not the carry price we're all used to seeing. And so I, I would think that you would see a Tampa Boston one, two finish. I would think by the end of the year. Well, Brent, as always, bud, we appreciate the analysis when you come on the show, enjoy the game tonight and uh, we'll talk to you down the road again. I will. Have a great holiday if I don't talk to you before that. You too, Brent. Thank you, buddy. All right, there he goes. That is Brent Wallace, TSN Ottawa reporter, joining us here on the show. Pre-game is up next. We've got the Lightning and Sends, and you can listen to it right here on Lightning Power Play News Radio, WFLA.